Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Washington will be playing Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Christian Capel's been all over it all season. On Montlake.com. That's the website you need to know. He's covering the team like nobody else. Uh, what has it been like for you since the Pac-12 title game? Yeah, it's been honestly a little different because there's no media availability scheduled this week. Yeah, after the selection show on Sunday, Kalen DeBoer spoke. But you know, you know what it's like covering a team on a beat. It's go, go, go every day. There's something, and so there's a little more time to kind of evaluate the matchup and, and look at what Washington's trying to do in, in the transfer portal and um, just kind of start to lay the groundwork for coverage leading up to that game. So um, it, it's uh, it's a little quieter in some respects, but, but there's obviously a, a lot to look at now too. Let's unpack the matchup. Uh, Texas, when you saw that as the semifinal matchup, your first thought? I was a little bit surprised. I mean, that was my first – when they popped up there at three – I really didn't think the committee was going to leave out Florida State, and I didn't think that they were going to be able to stomach leaving out the SEC champion. So I kind of thought of those five teams that were percolating. Everybody knew one was going to get robbed. I sort of thought it might be Texas. Um, And so to see them not only get in, but get in at number three, uh, not to suggest that that they don't deserve to be that high or ahead of Alabama, a team that they beat, I just was a little bit surprised that that's where the committee took it. And, yeah, as – as disappointed and frustrated as, as some Husky fans are just for the, the fact they have to travel to New Orleans if they want to go to this game rather than just simply down to Pasadena for a, a Rose Bowl matchup. Um, I think it is the best matchup for Washington. Uh, I think Texas is super talented and really, really good. And I, I sort of am of the mind that any four of these teams are capable of, of beating any of the other three on the right day on a neutral field. So I think it's going to be a really fun playoff, um, but I think Washington does get a little bit of something out of the fact that, you know, this is a program it beat a year ago. Um, it's obviously a very different team. Washington's a different team, um, but they're not walking into a situation where they're looking across the field at, uh, you know, a, a, a team they're going to be intimidated by necessarily because, hey, they were on a neutral field playing against the Texas Longhorns a year ago in a bowl game, and, and they won that game. Give me an idea, the health of Washington coming out of the Pac-12 title game. They lose anybody? Not to my knowledge. Um, Kalen DeBoer said he he didn't think there was anything in that game that would affect anyone for the playoffs. Obviously, they're kind of going the other way on some guys. They've been without Jalen McMillan for quite a while, and even when he came back, you know, they they weren't getting him the ball down the field, and it Maybe he, he took a, a couple games to knock some rust off and sure looked like the old Jalen McMillan uh, in that championship game. So, you know, that's a that's one in the plus column. Um, an interesting little storyline, Zach Durfee, an edge rusher transfer from the University of Sioux Falls, who's been ineligible all year because the NCAA ruled that he was a, a two-time four-year transfer, even though his first four-year school, he wasn't even a football player, wasn't an athlete at all. Um, that's kind of been percolating in the background, and it turns out he'll be eligible after December 15th, after the end of the current academic quarter. And, and so, you know, maybe that's somebody they can throw into their edge rusher rotation and keep those starters a little more fresh. And 
and maybe he gets a chance to make his de debut in the CFP. Um, Tuli Lasili Nasanoa, their big D tackle, they, they really managed a, an injury for him the second half of the season, held him out of the Apple Cup for the most part, got 30 snaps uh, out of him against Oregon, and, and he was a, a big impact player for them, um, especially against Oregon's run game, limiting Bucky Irving to 20 yards. So some of the guys that they've kind of been managing and hoping to get back, and there's been some mystery around, you know, they, they're, they're trending in the right direction, it seems. Yeah, the, the physicality of Washington in the Pac-12 championship game surprised me. It was a different level of physicality from Week 7. Was it just getting some guys back, or did Washington figure something out schematically? You know, I think they were just real confident they could do it. I think they felt like they ran the ball decently against Oregon the first time, and Dylan Johnson had 20 carries for 100 yards in that game. And since then, you've seen that running game sort of grow. Um it, it hasn't always looked great. The second half at Oregon State, it was a, a major struggle. Um, but, you know, he, he went for 256 at USC. He went for over 100 against Utah. Um, he had some, some tough runs against Washington State. Now, I, I think that his, his running style and his willingness to put his shoulder down and initiate contact and finish runs and pick up hidden yards that way has made them a more physical offense. And yeah, I think the offensive line has, has responded in kind. I mean, I don't know that you go through Washington's tape all year if you'll see a performance from first quarter through fourth quarter like the O-line put forth in this game, in that game on Friday, rather. So um, I think they've challenged that group uh, a couple of times this year to really step up the physicality and prove that they can be, you know, not just uh, a throw, throw, throw team, but a team that can run it down your throat if you want to, and, and they rose to the challenge. Christian Capel with us on Montlake.com. Michigan doing some things with Jim Harbaugh's salary negotiation. They are talking about extending him. Looks like they want to get that at least wrapped up or solidified to kind of keep him in place so it's not a distraction, you know, as the playoff unfolds and the NFL season unfolds. Anything on the Washington front you could tell us with Kalen DeBoer? Yeah, only that um, you know everything I've heard for for the past little while now is that it's close. Um, but you know these these things tend to have a way of taking longer than they should at times. You know, if you're negotiating on behalf of Kalen DeBoer right now, you, you've got every bit of leverage, right? It's not just he's 24 and two in his second season and they're undefeated and they're going to be in the playoff. Um, they also have a, a relatively new athletic director who is. You know, the, the the vibe for him right now probably feels like, hey, you got one job, and that's lock up Kalen DeBoer, and, and obviously um, Kalen DeBoer's agent knows that. And so I think there's just a lot um, on his side in his favor uh, in terms of trying to get the best deal possible, um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that his representation is, is leveraging that as best they can. So I, I would think for Washington's sake, you'd want to have that done before the playoff, and especially – if you get into transfer portal season here and, and trying to, to finish up the 2024 recruiting class, and you know I, I'm sure that uh, at some point DeBoer is going to want to have that extension in hand to be able to show people, look, I'm committed, I'm here, you know, long term, this is done. There's there's no concerns about me going. So, um, you know, I, I think just from a like from a Washington fan anxiety standpoint, Michigan getting something done with Jim Harbaugh would would probably ease a lot of those um, if that came first or, or or after, you know, either way. I think if, if DeBoer's deal is still hanging out there and not done and Michigan announces something with Jim Harbaugh, that probably eases some, 
some tensions, but yeah, I, I would think that they, they'd certainly want to get it done before January 1st. Give us a peek into Washington's athletic department because Jen Cohen, the athletic director there, is now at USC. Coaches will tell you, right, Christian? They'll be like, hey, the person who hired me is no longer here. That makes them unsettled. Um, you know, how familiar is that athletic department going to be with Kalen DeBoer? If they bring, you know, somebody in from the outside, does that matter? You know, or is his success just sort of paving the way for everything? Yeah, I think it's the latter. And, you know, I think um, Amari Kasse, the president, involved him, I think, pretty heavily in the, the AD search. I don't think they would have hired somebody who the head football coach didn't sign off on it, just watching those guys talk kind of off to the side at Troy Dannon's introductory press conference. I mean, they seem to get along pretty easily. DeBoer's a Midwest guy. Dannon's a Midwest guy. Of course, he came from Tulane, but it, it spent his whole career in the state of Iowa before that. So um, I, I think they're, you know, they, they come from familiar roots. Um, you know, Dannon on day one was saying, hey, you know, my first my first question for, for Coach DeBoer was just, what do you need? You know, what can I do to – to give you everything that you feel like you need to compete at the highest level. I think he gets it, you know. Um, I, I think uh, he's he's high on their decision to go to the Big Ten and, and knows what resource and financial commitment needs to look like to, to align with their new destination. So um, I, I think that they're on the same page. I think he knows that um, there's nothing he can do in his first couple months on the job to – uh, ingratiate himself with the fan base more than getting Kalen DeBoer locked up. Yeah, and I think uh, Washington fans probably uh, a little bit nervous about that. Life after Michael Penix. What happens? Do they have a quarterback? Is there someone in the portal? What are you hearing? Yeah, it sure seems like they're going to turn to the portal. Um, probably similar to how Oregon's operating post Bo Nix. I know Will Rogers from Mississippi State is a target and has been mentioned as somebody they're looking into. I'm sure that they're, um, you know, they'll do their diligence on Cam Ward. He's one of the the top targets in the transfer portal, but obviously is going to be heavily sought after. Um, you know, it's funny because when Penix transferred, they had Dylan Morris and they had Sam Heward, and people kind of felt like Sam Heward still was the the option for the future. But obviously, they needed a third scholarship guy to compete with those guys. And when it was Penix, there was kind of you know muted excitement. Like, okay, well, he's been hurt a lot. That's interesting. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see if he wins the job, right? And then they obviously they have an open competition, and he ends up being maybe the best quarterback they've ever had. I think this time around, you're very much recruiting to a thriving program and a proven offensive system with you know, at least a couple receivers who are making big plays this year coming back next year. You're going to lose your, your key guys. But the infrastructure is in place, and they've, they've put on tape you know, what it looks like playing quarterback in Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's offense at the University of Washington. So I would think they'd expect to be in, in those conversations for, for, you know, one of those top guys. The other semifinal, which team does Washington match up better with, Alabama or Michigan? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I would maybe say Michigan just because I, I think a really explosive offense um, with a great running quarterback is, is going to stress Washington's defense the most. And, you know, J.J. McCarthy is, is mobile in his own right. But um, I, I just think the way that Michigan wants to move the ball, for the most part, probably is a better matchup for Washington. Now, if they're not matching them physically and if, 
if Michigan's running it down their throats or running it at will, then, then it's not a great matchup. But um, it's not like they don't have weapons on the outside either. Um, but I, you know, I just think from a from an explosiveness and, and style of play standpoint, um, I, I don't know. I, it's one versus four, and, and you're talking about preferring the one instead of the four. But uh, I just I, I don't know that that um, Washington would necessarily feel like it matches up better with Alabama than with Michigan. All right, Christian, uh, the Heisman Trophy ceremony taking place this weekend. Michael Penix will be a finalist. How are you going to cover that at, on Montlake? I'll be watching it at home. Um, you know, it's a tight turnaround. You don't know. Of course, I think we all could have assumed he was going to be a finalist, but you don't actually know until that Monday before the ceremony and with flights to New York and got a got a young kid at home and I've already been gone so much and we're going to be gone more. Um, I, I thought about that ahead of time and just kind of thought, yeah, probably probably the, the move to stay back and watch that one on ESPN. So I'll be on my couch watching um, the uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how it's covered and, and what the show looks like. Of course, I watch it every year, but Washington is, has never had a finalist in this, like, modern TV era. Their only finalist they've ever had was Steve Etman in 1991. So um, it'll be – it'll different to see Washington represented on that stage, whether Penix wins it or not. You know what? I, I think he's been a hell of a quarterback. It's a hell of a run. I'm sure he'd rather be in the playoff than trying to, uh, you know, be at a ceremony. Does that take him at all away from preparation? How much of a stress is that on sort of the pace of things? Yeah, not necessarily. They're not doing a lot this week. Um, I think DeBoer said they were going to run and lift some um, and, you know, maybe get get back to practice more toward the end of finals week, like finals start this upcoming Saturday. So, you know, Michael Penix Jr. is a, a six-year senior who has a bachelor's degree from the University of Indiana. So, um, University of Indiana, Indiana University, I can never remember. Um, you would know, right? You were, you, you, you've been back IU, there. IU, uh, Indiana IU. IU, there you go. Yeah. I thought I had it back. I thought I had it backwards. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think he has like a class. Obviously, he's enrolled in something, but, you know, the the finals are a little less stressful for the guy who's in his sixth year of college and, and already has his degree. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of his plays all year. He's got experience with that, right? He's done a ton of stuff, a ton of media, a ton of sit-down interviews and podcasts and Heisman campaign and all this stuff. So, um, you know, in some ways it's it's a reward for, for doing all that. This is kind of what he worked for, and, and, you know, maybe it'll be a moment to kind of enjoy it and appreciate it before they, they do get back to work in earnest for the playoffs. Christian Capel on Montlake.com. Read him there. He's the best on Washington coverage. Christian, thank you, man. All right, thank you. There he goes, Christian Capel. I've got an update. NCAA Soccer Rules Committee has upheld the penalty. Oregon State's Javier Armas will be suspended two games. Greg Dalby suspended four games. Beavers will have to play the College Cup without their defender and without their coach. Keep an eye on Oregon State. Uh, yeah, and now more than ever, I kind of want them to win that damn thing, Stephen. Our big We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.